It was a very cruel scene, executed in an unusual manner. Hey, cruel coven. Hi, my warm, fresh slices of banana bread. Ooh. Isn't that? Mm. Mm-hmm. Everyone's warm. making banana bread these days. Buttery as well. Mm-hmm. Just a little spritz of butter. <laughs> Welcome to Cruel and Unusual. The podcast. I'm Katie. <laughs> Shut the <laughs> fuck up. I'm Tori. And I'm Katie. And here we are. Here we are. Um, In our own personal quarantine headquarters Uh uh-huh i bet you're wearing pajama pants aren't you i'm wearing pajama pants same (laughs) what color are yours mine are purple with little white stars (gasps) mine are purple plaid (laughs) matching twinsies we're doing well yeah (laughs) clearly thriving this is going nice what did you say (laughs) thriving this is going nice thriving (laughs) this is going nice you said (laughs) <laughs> it's going nice. <laughs> Nicely, I mean. I have a question. Wait, have you ever seen that commercial? Which Where one? the old commercial where that eagle like drops a egg out of its yeah. ass or yeah. whatever? It's probably not out of its ass. What is it? Oh, it's in Germany. I've got something <laughs> for you. Yes. <laughs> that's what it is. I think that's a Chicago Land commercial I think too, so, so too. no one else is going to know what the hell we're but talking But if you guys about. can picture a gigantic like big bird-esque bird dropping an egg out of it i feel like everyone needs to see this Please. we need to find it we'll on link a youtube it because i know it's on youtube you're gonna be like what the fuck what <laughs> why what? the fuck did you just remember number that? one why are, yeah why did you remember that Sorry. number two who allowed it to happen to <laughs> number with? three why it are we so scary when i was stupid. little i was terrified eagle. and i have no idea why i just remember that but i have a question for you today okay let's hear it my question for you katie is who do you think in your little mind is the most intriguing female killer? My little mind. <laughs> You're about mind. to be me. Your your little I'm about tiny, to be <laughs> little tiny mind. Um I think Lizzie Borden. Oh. Of course that you do. whole story fascinates me and I've seen so many like shows and books. I've seen so many books. <laughs> About her. So many of those books. <laughs> and I really want us, I want her house to be on our bucket list. Yeah. Yeah. Our yeah, freaky yeah, place yeah. bucket list. Uh huh. Freaky deaky. Because mm-hmm. I think, I totally think she did it. Freaky deaky. Freaky deaky. <laughs> freaky deaky. Can you just imagine like me with braces holding up a peace sign? Freaky deaky. With like spit. <laughs> <laughs> Pooling at the corner yeah. of my right side of my mouth. <laughs> Mine is Elizabeth Bathory or Bathory. Or Bathory. I don't know how to say her <laughs> last name, but she was one of the most ruthless killers. Didn't quote she bathe in their blood? Sorry. In European <laughs> history. And she is believed to have tortured and killed nearly 650 mostly teenage peasants. Shit. Yeah, she's kind of crazy. She might be a fun one to do. Isn't she? Is she the one that would like bathe in their blood or something? Or am I thinking? Am, am I just thinking yes. bath? Okay, so Elizabeth Bathory would eat chunks which i know chris i don't think christina listens to this but christina and i were voice memoing yesterday about this fucked up book that i'm writing that mm-hmm. sucks that she's gonna fix um <laughs> and just fucking hand it to me on a goddamn silver platter um 
And I swear to God, in like each of my fucking voicemails, memos, in each of my voice memos, I was saying chunk. I kept saying fucking chunk. chunk. I just wrote this chunk, and there was this chunk in here that I just said chunk, a chunk, a chunk. I'm so fucking sick of myself. It's Makes unreal. me think of chunk light tuna. Ew. Isn't that? Mm. Ugh. Anyway, so <laughs> Elizabeth, um, quote, sometimes she would eat chunks of her victim's flesh because she believed it would maintain her youthfulness, end quote. <laughs> That's wrong. Isn't that fucked up? I think it makes you go nuts. <laughs> uh, truly. <laughs> After a while. Um, yeah, so that's who I would pick. Okay, so do you want to tell them what we're doing today? We're talking about female killers, all right? Yeah. As if you didn't catch on already. Yeah, Jesus Christ. <laughs> what are you guys doing with your lives? Have you not figured it out? <laughs> And I believe I go first. You go first. Who are you telling me about? I have a little ditty about <laughs> Eileen Warnos. Little ditty. <laughs> okay. I'm just going to jump right into it, Katie. Okay. She makes me feel some type of way. It's not a good way. Eileen-y? Yeah. Yeah. Like I think icky it's... inside. Uh-huh. <laughs> I think it's so crazy. So Monster, obviously, the movie with mm-hmm. Charlize Theron. Um... <laughs> Charlize Theron. Charlize Theron. Uh, Charlize Theron looks so incredibly... It's like fucking uncanny. I know. How she looks to Eileen. And she's fucking gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and Eileen wasn't She gorgeous. won an Oscar for yeah, that, she did. didn't she? Yeah. And I mean, rightfully fucking so. She yeah. was a whole other person in that yeah. movie. I haven't seen it in years since it came out, but I just mm-hmm. remember feeling like... Ugh. Yeah. Like, oh, <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Charlie Saron, is that you? Charlie Saron. But she just looks so much fucking like her. Mm-hmm. It's scary. Yeah. Like, if you put the two of them, maybe I can do that for an image. I love it when they do that, when uh-huh. they make them look identical. Like, sh- she gained weight. She, like, just. Special she, effects, makeup. Yeah, she the literally hair. just became mm-hmm. Eileen. Yeah. And nobody wants to fuck. I mean, I guess for the right price, I would become yeah. Eileen. And not only did she look exactly like her, but her acting was on Fucking point. Fucking on point, baby. Baby. So from December of 1989 through September of 1990, the bodies of multiple murdered men were discovered all along the highways of northern and central Florida. Hmm. So I was born, but you were not. I was not because I'm young and you're old. I'm an 80s baby. I'm a 90s girl. (laughs) Okay. Fuck us. Okay. Richard Mallory, Dick Humphreys, Troy Burress, David Spears, Walter Antonio, Peter Seams. I don't know if it seems, Sime Sems. I'm sorry. Whatever. One of the above. And Charles (laughs) Karkskadon. That's not right either, but it's okay. Let me just put a little note here. I'm not intentionally not saying their names right. You're trying. I'm sorry I'm stupid. It just doesn't come out correctly. <laughs> so Richard, Dick, Troy, David, Walter, Peter, and Charles were all murdered, bodies abandoned, all being shot multiple times by a ruthless killer. Ruth- that killer was Eileen. Some called Eileen the first female serial killer, which is neither here nor there, but I felt it was just a fun little titty bitty. Mm-hmm. You know, titty bitty. <laughs> I had a friend one time. I'm not friends with her anymore. But she always would say, I think it was like a titty bit. She would always say <laughs> a titty bit. Oh, Hannah used to say, just a bitsy. Oh. Can I have just a bitsy? <laughs> oh, that's so cute. <laughs> okay. Eileen's early life was just plain sad, really. Her mother, Diane Warnos, was only 15 years old when she married Eileen's father, Leo Dale Pittman. 15. Uh-huh. In 1954. 
1955, the two had a son that they named Keith, and on February 29, 1956, little Eileen was born in Rochester, Michigan. Everything was not hunky-dory in Diane and Leo land, however, and Diane actually filed for divorce from Leo about two months prior to Eileen's birth. Hmm. So it's important to know that by the time Eileen popped out of the vagine, her father was in prison for rape. Oh. And the attempted murder, trigger warning, of a seven-year-old girl. No. Yeah. Don't like that. Uh-huh. A fucking seven-year-old child, a baby. Mm-hmm. It, she was a baby. And he yeah. raped and tried to murder her. No. Yeah. So, fuck you, Leo. Number one. Number two, you're going to get what's coming to you. That makes me so... I hate that. Mm-hmm. It makes me so sad. Mm-hmm. I think I read on Murderpedia that Leo was, quote-unquote, considered a schizophrenic like i don't so was he not diagnosed people just considered him like i don't understand that i can consider anyone anything right so did they like consider him a schizophrenic to slap a label on his behavior Mm -hmm. i have no idea but leo ended up hanging himself in prison because he couldn't live with his piece of shit self in 69 well bye leo goodbye hunt I don't miss you. <laughs> don't miss you. No one misses you. You're a piece of shit. When Eileen was four, her mother, Diane, totally just decided to abandon both Eileen and her brother, Keith. So imagine being four, not knowing your dad, which is probably better, but whatever, mm-hmm. because he's in prison, and then also having your mother run out on you. Yeah. <sighs> so when Diane abandoned her children, their grandparents took them in and legally adopted them in 1960. But... Their grandfather was just another piece of shit that Eileen would have to deal with. Why are so many men, men like bitches? This? Uh-huh. God. <sighs> so yeah, women too. Don't don't yeah. at me. But women like, are too. But why do we con- we see so many? What is men? it? Why are so many men attracted to children? Mm-hmm. It's fucking nasty. Mm-hmm. We've talked about how that's one of my fears, but I, I mean that's probably everyone's fear. But, yeah, but uh, still, I just it, I don't know. I don't. It just I don't have any words for that. No. Uh-uh. Okay. You hear more like in the news and stuff, uh, women like 20, 30, 40 year olds mm-hmm. being infatuated with like 17 year old boys. Yeah. It's not okay. And you That's hear, horrible no, too. No, absolutely but... not. But you hear more men in the news like with like two year old babies, yes. and, like five year old babies. I so... will never, ever understand it. So Eileen claimed that her grandfather beat her and sexually assaulted her at a young age. Supposedly, he was an alcoholic. And before he would beat her, he would force her to take off all of her clothing. Mm. Mm-hmm. Sources also say that she engaged in sexual acts with her brother after that time. Because well, she just what? doesn't know. That's what you know. Exactly. She's been beat. She's been, you know, it's just that's <sighs> what she thinks is normal. Yeah. So by 11 years old, she was engaging in sexual favors in school to get drugs, food, and cigarettes. And at 14, she was raped by a friend of her grandfather's and became fucking pregnant. Mm. At 14. No goddamn wonder. Yeah, exactly. Like, no wonder. Exactly. It doesn't make it okay, but... Exactly. I'd be pissed off at the world, too. Mm Mm-hmm. I would fucking hate men. Yeah. (laughs) I'd hate the shit out of men. So her grandparents ended up having her deliver the baby at a home for unwed mothers and the baby boy was adopted out. Mm. A few months after. traumatic in itself. uh, Yes. At (laughs) number one, to have a child (laughs) at any age is fucking traumatizing. Yeah. And number two, to go through all of that at 14 when you probably just got your fucking period. Right. For the first time. Yeah. A year or two before. Mm Mm-hmm. And now you're 
entire body is changing before it's even like finished being pubertized. (laughs) (laughs) Right. You know? Yeah. I just can't. I could like, I had a child at 29. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. On my 29th birthday. So basically 28. (laughs) Um, I could not imagine 14. 14. And let alone being raped that led to your pregnancy. Yeah. I just like, I, I've heard about her childhood before Mm -hmm. and it's, I think I block it out because <sighs> it's so much. It's so much. Yeah. God. A few months after she gave birth, she dropped out of school and her grandmother died of liver failure. Now, I tried to look this up, but I couldn't really find any concrete evidence about this. But I don't know if her grandmother had knew about what her grandfather did and knew about what the grandfather's friend did. Mm-hmm. But you kind of have to suspect it. Like, yeah. she's pregnant at 14. Right. You know what I mean? Like, this, I feel like it would be kind of hard to hide beatings and rapes and stuff yeah. like that. But it never, nothing said it, so I can't really assume. But mm-hmm. I'm assuming. But it kind of seemed like her grandmother was the only one in her life who didn't fuck her over. Right. Like, first-handedly. Right. So her dying probably was also pretty fucking yeah. traumatic. Yeah. Now, another thing that kind of confused me. After her grandmother died of liver failure... Eileen and her brother Keith became wards of the court. So I don't understand that because I, it said that her both of her grandparents adopted her, and her grandpa was still alive. So I don't know why they became wards of the court, but nonetheless they did. Yeah, unless that you know they investigated and found him unfit or whatever. That would make sense. At fifteen, her grandfather kicked her out of the house. Oh, and so she was still living with her grandfather. Yeah, but they he just didn't have. Okay, so he didn't have, like, legal guardianship. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. At 15, her grandfather kicked her out of the house, and she was forced to fend for herself. Eileen turned to sex work and lived in the woods close to her old home. At 15. You're not supposed... Yes. We're not supposed to sympathize, but... But we can sympathize with 15-year-old Eileen. I sympathize with her childhood. Yeah. I sympathize with 15-year-old Eileen, who went through way too much, way more than she should have. At the hands of adults who should have been fucking protecting mm-hmm. her that didn't. Yep. So I don't sympathize yes. with the Eileen who killed people, which we're getting to, but with 15-year-old Eileen and 14-year-old and 11-year-old and 4-year-old Eileen. Yeah, mm-hmm. I fucking do. This child had close to zero guidance and is expected just to kind of be out in the world figuring it out. Mm-hmm. This is a fucking issue. Yeah. Her brain is like half fucking formed and she's being abandoned. Or she's been abandoned by her mom. Knows her dad raped a seven-year-old. She was beat and raped by her grandfather. Raped by her grandfather's friend. Got pregnant. Had a goddamn baby at 15. Her grandma died and her piece of shit grandfather threw her out. This is all between four and 15. Like, mm-hmm. she's had a very fucked up life. Yeah. And having to have that baby taken away. Yes. Even if she didn't want want to keep the baby. It's exactly. still traumatic. It's still traumatic. It doesn't matter if you want to give up your child. Give up. Quote, unquote. Give up your child. Or if you don't want to. Mm-hmm. You still grew a child for nine months or however many months, and then it was just gone. Yeah. You know. It would be impossible for all that shit to not affect her her brain. So we're going to get into the criminal activity now, because like that's, this shit has just fucking set her up Mm -hmm. to be a goddamn criminal, and a criminal she was. So in 1974, Eileen would have been right around 18 years old. She was arrested out in Colorado for driving under the influence. Seems like, you know, like very fucked up, but people get DUIs every day, right? Because yeah. they don't follow the rules. True. But she was also charged with disorderly conduct and firing a twenty two caliber pistol from a moving vehicle. Oh, no. Yeah. 
Eileen, honey. Uh, she was just like on one, you yeah. know. She was pissed about something. She was going for yeah, it. Yeah, she, she was a little angry. Eileen also failed to appear at her court date from that charge or those charges. So she was slapped with a failure to appear charge as well. In 76, she hitchhiked her ass all the way to Florida, and there she met a man named Lewis, who was 69 at the time, mm. and he was also, his title, was Yacht Club President. <laughs> Suck my dick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. God. I, so Eileen and Louie, the Yacht Club President, LOL, married the same <laughs> year. <laughs> Uh, so they married. Yes, they're okay. married now. Uh, Eileen was a little troublemaker, though. At this point, she's 20 years old now, and she just cannot stop herself from getting into bar fights. <laughs> okay. Uh, she's a feisty one. She ended up being jailed on an assault charge. Oh, and also, I forgot to mention this little titty bitty. She hit her husband, his, her 69-year-old husband, with his own... <laughs> the son, it's not funny. <laughs> but like, if you picture it in your head... <laughs> She hit her husband with his own cane. Oh, no. <laughs> and he, in turn, got a restraining order against okay. her. Like, okay. So Eileen didn't really feel it was working out in Florida after all of those things. And she went back to Michigan. And on July 14th of that same year, 1976, she was arrested again. And she was charged with assault once again, as well as disturbing the peace. Because she threw a cue ball at a bartender's head. <laughs> That's disturbing. <sighs> I mean, yeah, <laughs> I feel like at this point, that would fucking hurt, man. Mm-hmm. Oh. I feel like at this point, if she would have just stayed away from bars <laughs> and drank for less money at home, she could have probably avoided a lot of these jail sentences. Yeah. But who am I? Yeah. <sighs> Three days after her arrest, her brother died of esophageal cancer. And Eileen, sorry, my voice is just, ooh, ooh. <clears throat> it's 10 in the morning, ooh. honey. <laughs> Eileen received $10,000 from his life insurance. Okay. Which she probably just fucking blew through. I mean, 10000 sure. is not that much to begin with. But I would still. blow through it. Same. So Eileen and Lewis annulled their marriage, no surprise, on the 21st of July. They had only been married nine weeks. Oh. Yeah. Oh, no. Didn't make it too far. No. But, I mean, he was the Yacht Club president. I mean, so. By May of 1981, Eileen was back down in Florida again. Like, she knows when you go to Florida, nothing good happens. But she keeps doing it. For anybody. Not just for Eileen. It is too hot down there. (laughs) It's too damn fucking humid. humid. (laughs) Oh, jinx. (laughs) Jinx, you owe me a Coke. Um, Eileen was back. Okay, so she was back in Florida. And little lady got herself arrested again for the robbery of a fucking convenience store. Can you guess what she stole? I just want you to guess. Just a little guess. Chips, Skittles, and liquor. Okay, and Coven, we need you to guess as well. Just guess in your little, little. I shouldn't say little. You guys have big heads. No, you we have- don't have big heads. <laughs> God, cut everything we I say out. We love your heads, no matter how big or little they might be. I always say like little before things. I, I don't know why I, I do, do that. Too. God, we love your little heads, your big heads, your dumb heads, your smart heads. We love them all. Anyway. By now, I hope you've guessed <laughs> because it's been 10 goddamn minutes. You've had minutes. plenty of time already. Oh, God. Okay. So what did you guess again? Um, chips, Skittles, and liquor. That's what I would steal. Yeah. Truly. Right? <laughs> Mainly liquor and yeah. then chips. Chips all the way. And then dude. dip. Dip. And then Skittles. Yeah. I don't even like Skittles. Not tobacco dip. Chip dip. Yeah. Chip dip. <laughs> chip dip. Chip dip. Chip dip. Okay. She stole 
$35 and two packs of cigarettes, baby. Oh, I should have said cigarettes. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. So that makes she was then sentenced to prison oh, in May of 1982. But Eileen was released in June of 1983. Was it worth it? Did you work really, it? Really, truly. She was then arrested again in May of 1984. May was clearly a bad month, like historically, yeah. for Eileen. Um, this time, though, she was apprehended for trying to pass forged checks at a bank in Key West, Florida. Okay. Uh-huh. Then in November in 1985, she was a suspect in a theft involving a revolver and ammunition for said revolver. I feel like living this way was just normal for her. Yeah. Like, from the time she was 15, she was forced to do this shit to survive. Mm-hmm. Just chaotic all the time. Uh-huh. And that's both, like, sad and scary at the same time. Yeah. In June of 86, Eileen was arrested in Miami, charged with Grand Theft Auto, resisting arrest, and a good old obstruction of justice because she gave the police an ID with her aunt's name. During a search of the stolen vehicle, police found a 38 caliber revolver and a box of ammunition. In June of 1986, Florida authorities detained Eileen for questioning after a quote-unquote male companion accused Eileen of pulling a gun on him while in his car and demanding $200. Hmm. When she was questioned, she had spare ammunition on her and a 22 pistol was found in the vehicle she was in. Okay. So it doesn't really look good for Eileen. No. At some point during this time when all of this was happening, Eileen met Tyra Moore. <laughs> you guys, I'm just going to tell them. Okay. I'm telling them. Tell them. <laughs> okay, you guys, we're laughing because I cannot fucking say Tyra Moore, and I can't say that she went by Ty. Okay? <laughs> but now I've said it, and you know. God. It's like me and Patricia. <laughs> <laughs> Ty. Oh, Ty was in housekeeping working for a hotel, and they met in a gay bar in Daytona. Okay. In July of 1987, Daytona Beach police detained both women at a bar, go fucking figure, for questioning. This time, the two were being questioned for an incident accusing them of assault and battery with a, you guessed it, fucking beer bottle. Oh, God. Yes. God. God damn it, Eileen. God. In March of 1988, Eileen accused a bus driver. So now Eileen's accusing. Okay. Mm A bus driver in Daytona of assault. She said he had pushed her off the bus after they had a bit of a confrontation. Ty was a witness to this, of course, like the other dating. So moving on from her, like, petty-ish crimes, okay? Okay. I don't really want to say, like, robbing stores and shit is petty, but in comparison... To killing, yeah. Yeah, it's Mm kind of petty. Eileen then moved on to bigger crimes and decided to kill seven men in the time span of 12 months. Man. Uh-huh. That we know of. Right. We we it's know true. of seven. Her first victim was Richard Mallory. Richard was 51 at the time of his death, and he was the owner of an electronics store in Florida. Richard was a convicted rapist. Hmm. So Eileen claimed that she murdered him in self-defense. Two days after she murdered him, police found his abandoned vehicle, and then on the 13th of December, his body was found in the woods, several miles from the abandoned car, and Richard had been shot several times. Two bullets directly to his left lung were his cause of death. Wow. Mm -hmm. Her second victim was 43-year-old David Spears, a construction worker in Winter Garden, Florida. David's body was found along a highway in Citrus County, nude and with six bullet holes. Third victim was Charles Carscotton. That's not, I'm not saying it right. I'm sorry. Charles. He was a part-time rodeo worker. Oh. Yeah. And he was 40 years old. He was found in June of 1990, and he was shot a total of nine fucking times. That just tells you she's pissed the yeah. fuck off. It's not really self-defense. Right. I shouldn't say that. But I mean, it's self-defense, 
you're doing it on a whim and you're going boop you know you're hoping it, to kill. Pos- it could have started that way especially with the convicted rapist yeah which by the yes. way sorry about your luck dude yeah right but um but i mean it seems like when you shoot someone nine times you are just fucking angry it's, it's a lot it's too you know? much yeah and I'm not saying it wasn't self-defense. All of these men that she was killing, it was like during sex work. Right. So she could but have like you can still get raped him. during sex work. Yeah. Even, she know. could have blown him, and that was all that she was supposed to do. Yes. And then yeah. he forced himself on her, you yeah. know, and wasn't going to pay her. Yeah. Yep. Charles' body had been wrapped in an electric blanket, and it was already decomposing when police found him. Fourth victim, a 65-year-old who did Christian outreach. Witnesses saw Eileen and Ty abandoning a vehicle belonging to Peter, the victim. Police ended up getting Eileen's prints off the inside of this vehicle, but they never found Peter's body. Really? Mm-hmm. Gators? Probably. It was Florida. Or a tiger. It was Tiger King. Troy Burris, a 50-year-old man and sausage salesman, was her fifth victim. Troy was reported missing in July of 1990, actually on the 4th of July. Oh. Mm-hmm. And just about a month later, his body was found in the woods along State Road 19 in Marion County, Florida. He had been shot two times. Charles Humphreys, who went by the name... Chuck? Who went by the nickname Dick, good guess, oh. but it was Dick. How does that make sense? <laughs> was 56 at the time of his death and was her supposed sixth victim. He was a retired Air Force major, a former child abuse investigator, and a former chief of freaking police. Like, mm. this guy did it all. Wow. And I, when I was doing my research, I was like, man, I wish he was around for her when she was a child. Right, yeah. You know what I mean? Maybe mm-hmm. he could have fucking stopped this. Yeah. Or helped her, you know? Um, his body, so Dick's body was found in September of 90, fully clothed, but shot six times in the head and torso. The last known victim was Walter Antonio who was 62 at the time of death and was a police reservist. So Walter's body was found nearly nude near a remote logging road in Dixie County, Florida. He was shot four times and he was found in November of 1990. So that was all seven victims that were known of by Eileen. Okay. Okay. Eileen and Ty got into a tiny little accident type of thing, okay? And people saw this happen. So there were witnesses. So Eileen was like, we got to get the fuck out of here. And they ran away on foot. A car accident? Uh-huh. Okay. And they left the vehicle there. So the witnesses were, like, fucking concerned. Like, what the fuck just happened here? Yeah. And so they called the police. And the police ended up running this gigantic media campaign for tips to try and find the women. Okay. I mean, at first, probably thinking, like, it was a... Like, they left the scene of an accident. Right. But I think that they were also starting to piece together these deaths and things like that. Okay. Um, Because they got descriptions of the women, obviously. Right. So. And then running is, you know, that's a little suspicious. Uh Uh-huh. They didn't want to be found. On January 9th of 1991, a day before I was born, Eileen went to the last resort, which is kind of funny. (laughs) A bar. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. (laughs) It was a biker bar in Volusia County. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. It could be Volusia County, it was in Florida. So if you're from there, at us. Eileen and Ty had gotten into a fight, and police found Ty in Pennsylvania the next day. Ty actually agreed to elicit a confession from Eileen in exchange for full immunity from prosecution, which is fucked up. Like, it's sad. To do that to your partner. Yeah. Yeah. But. I mean, I get it. I would. I don't know. I can't say that I would, but. I probably would. Mm, But. Yeah. (laughs) Like. 
this hurt Eileen bad. Yeah. Like, and I feel like Eileen was probably the type of woman who didn't get hurt that easily. Right. And she was probably the first person to ever love her. Yes. And, and Eileen let her in. Yeah. And they were together. You know what I mean? And after so many people leaving her and fucking her up and. And she's probably like, well, you know what? It cut her. Go fucking figure. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. She was probably like, this is just normal. Mm -hmm. You know? Police ended up putting Ty up in a hotel, and under police guidance, she made multiple phone calls to Eileen, which were wired to record the conversation. Ty basically was just pleading with Eileen for her help in clearing her own name. So three days later, Eileen actually confessed to Ty, claiming that the men, all seven men, had tried to rape her and she killed them all in self-defense. So however however she ended up doing it, she got her to confess via the phone. Yeah. On the 14th of January in 1992, Eileen went on trial for Richard Mallory, her first known victim's murder. Something kind of important here. Normally, prior convictions are inadmissible for criminal trials. However, under Florida's Williams rule, the prosecution was able to introduce her prior convictions as evidence relating to her other crimes to show patterns in her activity. I think that's important sometimes. You Mm -hmm. have to. You should. Agreed. On January 27th of 1992, Eileen was convicted of murder. Ty actually testified against her during the trial, which I'm sure was even fucking Mm. harder. Um, This was obviously very beneficial for the prosecution. The defense tried to paint Eileen as mentally unstable, obviously. They had psychiatrists take the stand to show that she was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder as well as antisocial personality disorder. Hmm. However, despite whatever her mental status was, she was still sentenced to death just four days later. On March 31st, my brother's birthday, That's weird. <laughs> in 1992, though, Eileen pleaded no contest to Dick, Troy, and David, three of her victims. She said she wanted to, quote unquote, get right with God. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I capitalized all of that. This was her statement to the court. Quote, and this is from Murderpedia. We'll have it linked. Quote, I wanted to confess to you that Richard Mallory did violently rape me, as I've told you, but these others did not. They only began to start to, meaning, end quote, meaning Troy, Dick, and David. On May 15th, she was given three more death sentences for the deaths of Dick, Troy, and David. Wow. Yeah. So, in June of 1992, Eileen pleaded guilty to murdering Charles and then received her fifth death sentence in November. Wow. So, five for five right now. During this trial, her team showed evidence that Richard Mallory had been tried for intent to commit a rape and had been committed to a maximum security correctional facility. The judge refused to allow this as evidence and denied Eileen's request for a retrial. Wow. Mm -hmm. Which I'm assuming because that case had nothing to do with that one. Right. But still. Right. Huh. Eileen pled a firm guilty in February of 93 to the death of Walter Antonio. She was sentenced to death again for the sixth time now. But... And then moving on, since they were never able to find Peter's body, no charges were brought against her for that. So she was six for seven. So all in all, she received a total of six death sentences for her seven known crimes. During this entire time, Eileen was pretty inconsistent with her stories about the murder she committed. Initially, she claimed all seven men raped her while she was doing her sex work. Later, she recanted her claim of self-defense. Nick Broomfield, who was a filmmaker, had an interview with Eileen. When she thought they had stopped filming, she told him that it was self-defense. However, she couldn't stand being on death row anymore. Mm -hmm. At that time, she had been on death row for 12 years and she just wanted to die. That's what she said. Which, fucking, yeah. I bet. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so that now her execution, we're to her execution now. Okay. 
In 2001, Eileen announced publicly that she was not appealing her death sentence any longer. She actually went as far to petition the Florida Supreme Court for the right to fire her entire legal counsel and stop the appeal process. Hmm. She said, quote, this is a this is a, a strong one here, quote, I killed those men, robbed them cold as ice, and I'd do it again, too. There's no chance in keeping me alive or anything because I'd kill again. I have hate crawling through my system. I'm so sick of hearing this. She's crazy stuff. I've been evaluated so many times. I'm competent, sane, and I'm trying to tell the truth. I'm one who seriously hates human life and would kill again, end quote. A defense attorney then said she wasn't in a state of mind for them to honor her request. But this makes you think, like, she was probably just saying that so they would kill her. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, she didn't want any more of this. Right. She wanted to be done. So yeah. maybe that's how she felt, but maybe also she was just playing games. Yeah. You know? So the governor at the time, Jeb Bush, ordered three psychiatrists, three of them, not one, not two, but three, mm-hmm. to give Eileen each a 15-minute interview. Each test required the psychiatrist to be fully convinced that she understands that she will die for which crime she is being executed for. Each of the three psychiatrists said she was mentally fit for execution. All right. Okay. So even if she fucking wasn't, she played them. Yeah. Each one. Each professional doctor. Right. She convinced. Yeah. Whew. So this next part kind of convinces me also that maybe she just wanted to die because she said that she was treated fucking horribly when locked up, which I can see. Mm-hmm. Um, she said her food was tainted, spit in, and urinated on. No. Yeah. Her potatoes were cooked in dirt. She said she overheard people, like mainly workers, saying that they wanted to get her to kill herself before her execution. She also said that people wanted to rape her, which you kind of wonder, you know, did pe- was she just paranoid about that because it happened to her so right. much or was it true? Yeah. Um, her handcuffs were so tight around her hand or around her wrist that they left bruises. She had low water pressure and mildew on her mattress. Just a shit ton of horrible treatment. Yeah. Is what she stated anyway. Right. Her attorney had stated that Eileen, quote unquote, just wants to have proper treatment humane treatment until the day she's executed and quote if the allegations don't have any truth to them she's clearly delusional she she believes what she's written end quote okay Mm -hmm. her final interview which happened shortly prior to her execution quote she said that her mind was being controlled by sonic pressure oh no Uh uh-huh to appear to make her crazy and she also described her impending death as being taken away by angels on a spaceship okay Mm-hmm. Eileen said to Broomfield, quote, you sabotaged my ass, society, and the cops, and the system. A raped woman got executed and was used for books and movies and shit, end quote. Mm-hmm. Her final words in the on-camera interview were, quote, thanks a lot, society, for railroading my ass, end quote. That was, and all of that that I just said was taken directly from Murderpedia. Wow. Mm-hmm. Isn't that just like, it's so conflicting. It is. You know? Yeah. It's like, this is a fucking failed woman who failed a bunch of other people. Mm-hmm. It was just a mass fucking, like, shit show. Yeah. Some some of the sources online said that her last meal was KFC, but it wasn't. No? <laughs> her, no, she refused her last meal. And this was from a press release from, you know, the actual, um, from the actual, like, execution. Okay. okay. Uh, she refused her last meal and she just had a, co- a cup of coffee. Okay. On October 9th, 2002, Eileen was brought into the death chamber. Her last words were, quote, 
Yes, I would just like to say that I'm sailing with the rock and I'll be back like Independence Day with Jesus. June 6, like the movie. Big mothership and all, I'll be back, I'll be back, end quote. Oh, wow. I remember hearing her last words before, but I couldn't uh-huh. remember exactly what they were, but I knew they were something mm-hmm. <laughs> like that. Yeah. Hmm. Eileen died at 9.47 a.m., the 10th woman in the U.S. to be executed since the lifting of the ban on capital punishment in 76. Also, the second woman ever to be executed in Florida. Wow. Yeah. So this is a quote. I'm almost done. Uh, This is a quote from Nick Broomfield, the filmmaker. Mm -hmm. Quote, I think this anger developed inside her and she was working as he says prostitute. Yeah. That was his words. I think she just had a lot of awful encounters on the roads. And I think this anger just spilled out from inside of her and finally exploded into incredible violence and these are all like periods after them so oh, really? i'm not i'm saying it weird because it's typed weird in the quote um that was her way of surviving i think eileen really believed that she had killed in self-defense i think someone who's deeply psychotic can't really tell the difference between something that is life-threatening and something that is a minor disagreement that you could say something that she didn't agree with she would get into a screaming black temper about it and i think that's what had caused these things to happen And at the time, when she wasn't in those extreme moods, there was an incredible humanity to her, end quote. The press release about her execution was something I also read during research, and the following two quotes stood out to me. Quote, victims, family members, are not sorry that she's gone. One family member said, quote, she got off really easy. These men suffered. These men's families suffered tremendously all these years. I mean, it was a cold-blooded murder, said Wanda Pouncey, a victim's daughter. Quote, I wish it would have been a little bit more, a little harder on her. She got like five death sentences. Uh How much harder can it get? Uh It was very, very easy. Very easy. What? Even the years in prison that she did. It was a piece of cake. It was a cakewalk, said Terry Griffiths, a victim's daughter. Exactly. No, but they don't know either. They're just sad. They're hurting. So they're, you know, lashing out. But, but I thought that was an still, interesting quote. Still, it's like, what? Yeah. How did she get off easy? Exactly. But, I mean, she's probably comparing it to her loss. I'm sure. You know? Yeah. And you can't compare yeah. sadness. But Ooh, <laughs> that was just weird. Hello. Hello. That was a poet in me coming out, Dr. honey. Dr. Tori. Uh-huh. But I thought that that was just interesting, you know? Yeah. Um, for years after her arrest, Eileen claimed that she was the victim. Volusia County State Attorney John Tanner prosecuted Eileen and felt obligated to witness the execution. Quote. This is from John Tanner. Quote. She'd like to be in control. In fact, these killings, as much as anything, were acts of ultimate control. And we've seen that in serial killer patterns in the past. She killed those men to bring about the ultimate control over their lives, which was to terminate it. She never had control over anything that ever happened to her. Tanner said. Sorry. Exactly. That's the thing. It's like she was just kind of on this wild ride for her entire life up you know the first you know 18 years we can say mm-hmm. totally out of her control right she didn't you know you're a child yeah a child and all of these different things happen to you and that's what and this was like during the formation of her motherfucking brain mm-hmm. so all of these little things were impacting her future right you know yeah so while we don't side with eileen Warnos. I can still feel for her. Right. And I can still feel for baby Eileen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Especially. And going through all of those fucking things that she went through that turned her into the monster mm-hmm. that she became. Yep. And that's the story of Eileen. And it's real fucked up. And <sighs> I I think you should... Some of these, like, YouTube and, like, um, different... Uh, interviews you can still see online. Mm-hmm. And you should watch them because they're so fucking intriguing. Yeah. She was just 
very fucking sad, very fucking hurt, and very fucking fucked up. Yeah. And watch Monster if you haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. It's been a long time, but Charlize Theron does a very good job. Charlize Theron. Charlize Theron. This is a story of Amy Archer Gilligan. Mm, she sounds like a nice gal. No, she's not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Amy was born Amy Duggan in Milton, Connecticut on October 31st. Ooh. Don't you wish that was your birthday? Oh, so fucking Spooky badly. Spooky day, birthday day. Uh-huh. Um, go figure. I put go figure. She was born on Halloween. <laughs> um, in 1873. Oh, wow. Okay. Yes. She was the eighth of ten children. Oh, God. They all did that. <laughs> they were all fucking psychotic. Uh, what are you doing? They lived in a house that still stands today, by the way. Oh, wow. We should go there, too. Yeah. According to the book called Chronicles of Milton, Village Left Behind by Time, mm. which is very mysterious. Spooky. According to that book, Amy had a sister that was disabled and paralyzed after either a jump or a fall from a second floor window. And one of her brothers enjoyed playing a violin while standing in front of a mirror all day long. What the fuck? And it's said that this brother was eventually committed. I bet. Yeah. So this all suggests a history of mental illness running in her family. Sure. Obviously, it can't be proven. This was a million and ten years ago. Amy had said that she went to a private school in New Milford and that she had nurse training at Bellevue Hospital in Manhattan, but no record of either of those has ever been found. Oh, wow. So we don't know if that's true or not. But other than that, if that's true, little is known about her early life. In 1897, at 24 years old, Amy married a man named James Archer. In December of that year, their daughter Mary was born. Mary's never mentioned again in any of the articles or research that I found. Oh, God, I hope she's okay. In 1901, Amy and James were hired on as caretakers for a man named John Seymour. He was a widow, elderly, and his only remaining family lived all the way in California. So the archers moved into his home in Newington, Connecticut. Makes me want to say Newton. Uh huh. Newington, Connecticut, as live in caregivers. Oh, wow. Now, I'm not really sure exactly how they got into this line of work. Yeah. Like, what made them want to do that, but it's what they were going for. Maybe they wanted so, free housing. Yeah, they were, they were in it to win it. John Seymour died in 1904, natural causes. His family inherited his house, and they turned it into a home for the elderly and allowed Amy and James to stay there, live there, and care for residents as employees. Oh, wow. So they turned it into a nursing home. Okay. And they let them pay rents. <laughs> you know. Live in the house. You know, when you said a home for the elderly, I was like, oh, that's so nice. It's like such a nice thing to do. They should have those these days. It's a fucking nursing <laughs> It's a nursing home. home. You dumb prick. Like, hello? <laughs> and then when you said nursing home, I was like, you fucking idiot. <laughs> so they called the house Sister Amy's Nursing Home for the Elderly, despite neither of them having any real qualifications to give this type of care. So what they would do was have the patients or their families pay thousands of dollars up front, and this would secure them a room in the home and Amy's care until they died. Wow. But only three years later, in 1907, Seymour's family sold the home. Amy and James then moved to Windsor, Connecticut, and they Mm. used the money they'd saved up from working to buy their own house on Prospect Street in Windsor Center. Shortly after, it was known as Archer Home for the Elderly and Infirm. Oh, wow. So they, they bought this house and turned it into their own nursing home. Yeah. 
Once again, they would ask for about $1,000 up front to secure the patient's room. Which, do we know how much that was in 1887? No, but it's a lot yeah. back then. I want, I'm going to look it up as you talk. Okay. But Amy and James would also persuade the residents into making them the beneficiaries of their estates so that they could manage their finances more, quote, easily when they <laughs> passed away. Like, smells like shit. Yeah. But right. whatever. So today it would be around, like, close to $30,000. Oh, wow. Yeah, 27000 something. Yeah. Yeah, honey. All right. So things start to get crazy from here on. The Archers were sued in 1909 by the family of a resident who claimed that they kept their loved one in unsanitary conditions, which I think it's the same problems Uh that are still going on now. Around the same time, a different resident began to complain about the conditions of his room, and Amy basically threw him in a mental asylum instead of dealing with it. Wow. Mm -hmm. Residents who were otherwise healthy started to die. James Archer even passed away, so her husband. Oh, wow. This is husband one. Okay. He passed away in 1910, heavy air quotes here, natural causes. <laughs> His official cause of death was complications from Bright's disease, which is a disease of the kidneys, but he was never diagnosed with anything like this while he was alive. Wow. Um, the real kick in the nuts is that a few weeks before he died, Amy had taken out a life insurance policy on dear husband, allowing her to keep their nursing home open. Wow. A few weeks before uh-huh. he died of something that he was never diagnosed <laughs> with. So, okay, mm, Amy. And it's not like he was old. Did she change the name of the nursing home? Um, I never said. I don't think so. I think she kept it. After James died, the nursing home patient's deaths started ramping up even more. These deaths were determined to be due to old age by the coroner. And the coroner was a close friend of dead James and Amy. Of course he was. hmm. A man named Michael Gilligan had repeatedly shown interest in investing in the nursing home after James died. So he was getting on her more than once about getting on her getting on her ass (laughs) so amy married him in 1913 literally and then he really (laughs) was on her ass yeah oh god (laughs) this man michael was a widower he was the father to four adult sons and he had money honey i bet okay but he died three months after marrying holy (laughs) come on his official cause of death was acute is it bilis attack it's severe indigestion yeah okay bile yeah I feel that. Like, there were times when I was pregnant that I thought I that indigestion know. could kill me. <laughs> it burns so fucking yes. bad. Like, you have fire in You're there. You're on fire. Yep. Oh, And you just, it just doesn't leave. Yeah. It's just fucking there. It's just there. And it doesn't matter what you eat. You could eat fucking saltines. It's there. Yep. But yeah, that's what his cause of death was, according wow. to them. Okay. Yep. So. I didn't know that was, like, an actual cause of death. <laughs> I don't know. Unless it's like an ulcer or something. Three fucking know. months. Mm-hmm. That's wow. Yep. Okay. So since Michael was loaded and left everything to her in his will, this left Amy financially secure again. So there were 60 deaths in Amy's nursing home. Holy. Between Fuck. 1907 and 1917. Ten years. Yeah. These patients' loved ones started to get suspicious. And it's not like she had a shit ton of people in right. there. You know. It was probably like fucking all of them. Yeah. It was in a, like a home, like an actual home. Yeah. How many bedrooms could it have? Right. I'm sure they weren't all in bedrooms, but still. Yeah. 12 residents died between 1907 and 1910, but 48 residents died between 1911 and 1916. So you can see that huge spike. It's not Five normal. Years. Yeah, people in nursing homes are going to die, yeah. but that's right. a lot. 
Franklin Andrews was one of these. He was old, but he was an otherwise healthy person. He was even gardening at the house. Oh, outside plant, planting honey. shit and, and hoeing shit. What do you... Wow. <laughs> breaking shit. I don't know what to do with a garden. Me either. Um, so he was able to do that. He wasn't sick, but he deteriorated in one day and was dead that evening. What the fuck? From a, quote, gastric ulcer. How do all of these old people have fucking ulcers? Or all these people in general? I mean, I guess there was only two, but still. Yeah. Franklin's siblings came to the home to collect his personal belongings, and they found something weird in some of his letters that he had written. I don't know if it was, like, a journal type of Mm -hmm. thing or letters that he didn't mail, Mm -hmm. but he wrote that Amy was pressuring him to pay her more and more money. So, hmm. Most of these patients or their loved ones had paid thousands of dollars for care right before their deaths. So Nellie Price, Franklin's sister, this this man I was just talking about, mm-hmm. she alerted the district attorney to what she thought could be happening. You know, she mm-hmm. was like, hmm, let's look into this. And he ignored her. What? So pissed off and not <laughs> dealing with anyone's shit, she went to the Hartford Current with her story. Good. And the first article on the Murder Factory, quote, that was the title, Murder Factory, was published on May 9th, 1916. After these articles started started to come out, police started to take this situation seriously. Oh, good job, police. Because they were probably, like, bad-mouthing them. Right, I'm sure. So, like, oh, we got to do something now. Our reputations are on the line. We got to stop drinking our coffee and eating our donuts. We got to get out there on the road. (laughs) Add their horses to the nursing home. So when police noticed this pattern, over 40 people paying and then dying right after, like, hello, they searched the home, and what did they find? Innocent little bottles of arsenic. Oh, for fuck's Hidden sake. away in Amy's pantry. <laughs> she couldn't even find, like, <laughs> come on. No. <laughs> they thought it might be a good idea to exhume some of the bodies oh, of the residents <laughs> who died under suspicious circumstances. Wow. Yeah, like, oh, well, we better do they ought. Yeah. <laughs> the bodies of five residents, including Michael Gilligan, husband number two, and Franklin Andrews, gardener man, were dug up. Autopsies were done, and it turns out all five of them died to either arsenic or strychnine poisoning. Wow. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, Amy. It wasn't severe indigestion. <laughs> you bad bitch. Mm-hmm. Honestly. Yeah. She, how? Oh, that pisses me off. Mm-hmm. You live your entire life only to be fucking poisoned by a little bitch? Yeah. Like, he just wanted to garden. Exactly. Franklin did. Like, she probably could have just kept getting more and more money out yeah, of him. Right. Which is still bad, but, like... Better than killing him. Live the rest of his life. Right. All right. Authorities questioned local store workers, and they were able to tell them, yes, Amy brought her ass around here all the time and bought a shit ton of arsenic. This is what they said. (laughs) You didn't fucking kill rats. Oh, my God. Shut up. Mm -hmm. You don't need that much arsenic to kill rats, and then they'd be gone. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Right? When they looked a little harder at husband number two, Michael Gilligan's will, the one that left his entire estate to Amy... They realized the whole thing was a forgery written in Amy's handwriting. (laughs) Michael's original will stated that his estate should go to Amy and his four sons, not just Amy. There was also a badass female private investigator named Zola Bennett. Ooh, I love Zola. I love her. I just love her. Can she be a character in our next book? Zola Bennett? Yes. She was hired on by the state police to do some digging. She went into the home undercover as a resident. Ooh. Yes. To get evidence about the living conditions and any evidence she could find about Amy swin- swindling patients out of their money. Yeah. 
Police found out that Amy was buying all of this arsenic, but they also found out that she wasn't the only one purchasing all of the arsenic that killed her residents. They checked all of the purchase records very carefully and found evidence that fucking Amy, which she's going to be known from from now on, (laughs) fucking Amy, was sending her patients on their merry way to the drugstore to buy arsenic. What? She was sending them to buy their own murder weapons. Yeah. Oh. (laughs) Fucked up. Fuck you, Amy. Uh What a cocksucker. So all of this was enough evidence to arrest Amy and convict her on murder charges. Five murder charges of the ones that they exhumed. Sure. She was arrested on five counts of murder, like I just said, but her lawyer was able to reduce these charges down to one count. What? The murder of Franklin Andrews. I don't know how. I don't know why, but... What a... Yeah. Oh, I hate. I hate. So she's on trial for the murder of the old gardener man. Amy, who was in her mid-40s at this point, so she's still young, Mm -hmm. was found guilty by jury on June 18th, 1917, and sentenced to death by hanging. Of course she appealed. Of course she fucking And was given a new trial. Uh, Of course. Where she pled insanity. Of of Mm course. No, come on. She testified under oath that her mother was addicted to morphine while she was pregnant with Amy, but like... How do you know? Yeah, How do you know, Amy? But Amy was found guilty again, and this time she was sentenced to life in prison. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Amy was declared temporarily insane in 1924, and she was transferred from prison to the Connecticut Hospital for the Insane. She lived there until she died on April 23rd, 1962. Her true murder count is unknown, but they think it could have been anywhere from 21 to 60 people. Holy fuck. So, there's a lot of people who think she was innocent. Really? Uh-huh. They say that everything that they have against her was circumstantial. Yeah. Which, I mean, kind of is, but... Yeah. They say that she really did buy this arsenic to kill rats. Like, <laughs> it's for the rats and for, for the bed bugs. Fuck and that you these all. bodies had high levels of arsenic because it was used back then in the embalming process. Okay, like that one, maybe. Mm-hmm. Some people say that Amy couldn't possibly have committed murder because oh, she went to possibly she went to church murder. every week. <gasps> she was a Christian. She donated a stained glass window oh, to the church. She could not kill people. She donated money to the church Probably. that she stole from exactly. the people who she killed. <laughs> she just she couldn't possibly be bad. She God was there no. every Sunday. She believes in Jesus Christ our yep. Lord and Savior. Yep. No one who goes to church every week could possibly be bad. No Suck way. my dick. Suck my but ass. It's pretty obvious to me anyway that she was killing for profit. Yeah. That's clearly. just what it was. And she had them change their wills. Okay. Guilty. Yeah. I'm I'm mad at Amy. She had the residents buy the poison, lace their meals killed them she had their bodies removed and embalmed as fast as she could Mm -hmm. the coroner and the house's doctor were friends of course she would even send the family's flowers after their loved ones died and would sometimes pay for their funerals yeah with their money Mm -hmm. how nice she's got all kinds of money now who knows if she was like who knows if the coroner and the um what was it doctor Uh, yeah who knows if the coroner and the doctor were not fucking in on it she was probably giving them money i'm sure what fucking pieces of shit i know amy's story was the inspiration for the 1939 stage play and later several movie adaptations written by joseph kesselring called arsenic and old lace it's actually a dark comedy and it's about two sisters who run a boarding house and poison their elderly residents with arsenic laced elderberry wine elderberry Mm -hmm. i've heard of this i've never seen it. i've never seen it either 
So, I mean, that's all I got on this Amy bitch. Fucking Amy. Fucking Amy. She, she totally did it. I One million percent. Yep. I mean, I could see if it was only the arsenic. Right. You know what I mean? Because, okay, yeah. yeah, they used it in the embalming process. Right. What, but maybe it, they couldn't tell distinct the different, you know. And they said that they also found strychnine. Yeah. Which was never really but, I mean, mentioned again. So that, and then changing the wills. And, come on. Yeah. yeah. And, then, and then the residents being fine right and then oh they're dead right i mean they're just old right they didn't have like any other known complications i don't know whatever i think, I think that's she's a bitch yeah ridiculous well that was fun yeah that was real fun it's a good time it was a real good time i love discussing eileen and amy eileen oh the two a's yeah oh, <laughs> okay what I was going to say earlier is it's funny because before we started recording, I texted you and said that. Oh, I yeah. Look, yeah. Tell totally them. mean, but <laughs> I said that I look like Eileen today because I'm just a fucking mess. <laughs> oh, yeah. And that was funny because she. And I didn't know that's who you were doing. That's why it was it, funny. Exactly. Anyway. It was funny because I was like, oh, fuck. Is she doing Eileen? Because we didn't know who we were doing. Yes. And then, because I'm like, why the fuck else would she just randomly say Eileen Fornos? And then stuff a lot. Uh huh. But then she popped up on the fucking (laughs) Skype, and I was like, oh, you do look. I'm kidding. (laughs) I do. I'm kidding. Um, Not blonde. But then I was like, dude, did you did you fucking pick Eileen? And then she said she didn't, so we were okay. We were good. But I had a few minutes there of like pitter patter. Yeah, pitter patter. Okay, reading, watching, listening, cadence before the ninety days, before the ninety days. In Before the 90 Days. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. No. Uh-huh. I did finish one of those seasons. That's it. Reading, the only thing I'm reading, I'm still reading your book. <laughs> Must be a real good one. I don't, I can't read. <laughs> I don't know how to read. Okay. I don't know how to read. Hooked on Phonics worked for me. I listened to, um, it's the two-part Morbid about Karina Homer, and I do know the story already, but I'm really listening because I want to get to part two because Billy Jensen is a special guest on there. Yeah. And I love him. Remember yeah. when we met him? And I you, do. You dipped out. <laughs> I dipped the fuck out. I was too nervous to meet you him. You were very nervous. Mm-hmm. I was nervous too, but... Um, reading, watching, listening, Tori. Okay. I... Reading, watching, listening, Tori. Okay. <laughs> I am watching, nine, I mean, before the 90 days. Um, I had randomly watched like the clips of Big Ed and Rose <laughs> and I had said something to Katie and she was like yes I'm watching that whole season or something like that happened yeah. and then she basically forced me to watch it so I'm learning a lot about getting my next fiance a green card <laughs> love it uh it's kind of it. crazy Big Ed is something fucking else he's very he's a very he's in tune with his emotions Big Ed did you see he is did you see the picture I, he's a dick though yeah big dick shave your legs it's gross yeah really it's not very feminine exactly when he Fuck said that off. i was like he's pissing off a lot of women right he now. pissed me off mm-hmm. i can tell you that uh-huh mm-hmm. i wanted to just send him a picture of my big white hairy leg there is hair there for a fucking reason yeah you know one time my doctor told me that i shouldn't shave my vagina you shouldn't and she told me it was because the hair protects foreign substances from getting it it's there for a reason yeah katie's wafting her hands in the air via my computer <laughs> screen right now <laughs> anyway, I had forgotten that I um, pre-ordered Pride and Persuasion. Yeah. I, I didn't have an ARC, so I pre-ordered it. Uh-huh. And 
I forgot that I pre-ordered it, so I was very excited when it showed up on my Kindle. So I did start that, and it's good. Um, I had an ARC, and I pre-ordered it. <laughs> just fucking fancy. <laughs> just fucking saying. But I read it a long time ago, but I still obviously got a new one delivered to my Kindle. It's fun. Even when you read ARCs, it's fun to get like the final copy uh-huh. with the cover and everything. Uh-huh. I love it. Uh-huh. Um, it's really good. We'll link Laura, or whoops. <laughs> <laughs> we will link Ren's shit down below <laughs> okay um but pride and persuasion very good book i'm still reading rewrite rewrite <laughs> i'm still i'm still reading rewrite the stars by charlie rose highly recommend as of now at this point you recommend at it. this point i'm recommending could get worse <laughs> could, could just go down fucking bomb we don't know <laughs> um so that's reading what well, i'm not listening to shit i'm not yeah. i just don't have time yeah um yeah so hey well okay guys if you want to email us anything do that at cruel and unusual the pod at gmail.com if you want to see our instagram it's at cruel and unusual the pod our facebook group is cruel and cruel and unusual the group our Twitter is cruel unusual pod. We never tweet, but sometimes we do. So sometimes just sometimes you know, we do. You so could just follow us to fucking turn follow on us. notifications. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you love us um, that much. We also right now it's probably not the best time, but I'm still going to mention it so you know we have a Patreon. Yes, we've got our Patreon. That's we post in our link tree all over the place. Yes, in our link tree, and so in our Instagram profiles, you can get to our Patreon. You can choose as low as $3 a month if you want mm-hmm. to support our podcast. We're trying yep. really hard to keep it going for you guys, despite the quarantine. Yeah. So if you have an extra couple of dollars and you want to support Cruel and Unusual, the podcast, that's where you can do it and you'll get a lot of free shit. Okay. Mm-hmm. com will have all of our resources. Or not resources. We'll have all of our sources. Yeah. <laughs> I said resources. <laughs> There's no resus- resources for you on there. Sorry. <laughs> I can't help you. But if you need something, myself. But if you need something, just ask, and I'll try. Okay. Or you can just fucking Google it. I mean, that's what I do. Okay. I Google everything. Use your goddamn thumbs. I googled where Sofia Vergara was from. Uh, I'm gonna. I get these weird questions in my head, and I have to know. I'm gonna Google where Charlize Theron is from. Okay. All right, we're leaving now. All right. All right. Love you. Please, um, wait. Please stay safe. Keep Stay washing safe. those hands. Just keep on them. with the social distancing if you're in that part of the world, which is like everywhere. I fucking think. <laughs> That's um, why it's a pandemic. <laughs> okay, love you. Bye. I okay, love you. Bye.